Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. There comes a time in every believer's life that you have to forsake the world and follow Jesus. Now, listen, I realized that when we first got saved, guys, and we came into a relationship with Jesus, we came in with baggage. I get that. There's things that you were taught or things you weren't taught, and I simply get that. But we also, if we're honest, we still have a lot of the world still calling out to us. You, you see, what happens is we get saved, we come to Jesus, right, and, and, and we forsake the world, but the world says, hey, hey, come on back, we missed you. Remember all the fun times we used to have, remember? You remember, we used to party, and oh, it was so cool, don't you miss that? Now, we're walking with Jesus over here, man, we're, we're walking, and we're, we've got new friends, and we've got new, and, and the world's like, hey, hey, you remember last, you remember that time we, we got... We got drunk, and we had fun, and, 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 and the world still calls out to us, guys. The world calls out to us. But what happens is that eventually, as we grow, we come to the realization that hanging out with the world and God are really contrary to one another. As a matter of fact, we are commanded in the Word of God not to be friends with the world. John, in writing 1 John chapter 2.15, says that to you and me. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, check that out. What did John just say? Well, let me give you it in the New Living Translation because he goes a little bit deeper. He says, do not love the world nor the things it offers you. Hey, hey, remember when we, hey, and all of the stuff. What does the world do? Well, the world wants to tell our young kids, you need to cheat, you need to do this, you need to step up. Hey, you got to climb that ladder. You got to be the prettiest. You got to be the strongest. You got to be the fastest. And the world wants to pull it. It tells us, hey, remember when we used to have fun? Remember? Yeah, we used to. We, I mean, it was so great. And guys, our minds work like that because we are, we are emotional beings. A lot of times we discard the negative in the world and we'll only think of the positive. Listen, we forget that that morning we were just so hungover and we were so tired and we had such a migraine, but we only remember the night before. That's how we are. When it comes to a relationship, that is worldly. A relationship is, hey, I remember we used to have fun times, man. It was so cool. Do you remember you guys used to fight all the time? Oh, I don't remember that, but I remember... We used to do fun stuff together. And again, guys, think about it. He says, he says, don't love her the things the world has to offer you. Why, John? Why? For the, when you love the world, he says, you don't have the love of the Father in you. Listen, we cannot walk with God and hold hands with the world. Just like we cannot walk with God and hold hands with the devil, Paul tells us in Corinthians. Do you remember that? Idol worship. We can't do that with the world. We can't, guys. There are three major enemies that wants to pull us back away from Jesus. You go, Pastor, what are they? Number one, we know it's our flesh. 
Wait, no, it's our flesh. Okay? We battle that every day. You guys know that. You battle the flesh. Your spirit wants to praise and it wants to spend time in the word. And your flesh goes, man, I am tired. Hit the snooze button one more time. One more time. Okay, three more times. Okay, eight more times. And we, just, we, we know we battle the flesh. Can I get an amen? But we also battle who? The world. Because we came out of the world. We came from a world system that didn't love God. We came from a world system that was selfish, self-seeking. And, and the world wants to pull us back. We battle that. And then we battle the devil. Those are those things that pull us. Well, Ben, I'm saved. I'm saved. But what he wants to do, listen to me, is he wants to trip you up in your walks with God. And so here in our text, John says, man, listen, you cannot walk with God and hold hands with the world. When we think of Laban, we can easily associate him with the world. Why? Because Laban lived a very worldly life. Now, I was thinking about Laban this week, and I was thinking about just all of the stuff we talked about Laban, and, and it, it actually Chuck Swindoll wrote this little story that I think came to mind when I think of Laban. Listen to this. Listen to what Chuck writes. Quote, the world, the world system is committed to at least four major objectives, he says, which I can summarize in four words. What are they? He says, Fortune, fame, power, and pleasure. Fortune, fame, power, and pleasure. First and foremost, Chuck writes, fortune, money. The world system is driven by money. It feeds on materialism. Second is fame. Another word for that is popularity. Popularity. Fame is that longing to be known to be somebody in somebody else's eyes. Third is power. Having influence, maintaining control over individuals, groups, or companies, or whatever. It's a desire, listen to this, to manipulate and maneuver others to do something for one's own benefit. And of course, he says, fourth is pleasure. Pleasure has to do with fulfilling one's sensual desires. It's the same mindset behind the slogan, if it feels good, do it. End quote. That's what, that's what Chuck Swindoll writes. And I thought, he's describing Laban. You go, how so? Well, think about this, right? This is a man who, uh, guys, he craved fortune. This is Laban. You can look at Laban, and Laban was, man, he was after the money. Laban was a guy, he, was, he wanted money. He wanted materialism. You go, how so? Well, the text tell us, guys, if you recall, go back in your minds back to chapter 24, you remember when the servant came looking for a bride for Isaac? Do you guys remember that, right? And here comes Isaac. Man, long story short, what happens? Well, in verse 22, it says, It so was when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a golden nose ring, weighing half a shekel, two bracelets for her wrist, weighing 10 shekels of gold. So all of a sudden, Rebecca comes home, and she's sporting the bling. What happens? Verse 29 says, now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to meet the man at the well. So it came to pass when she saw the nose ring, right? When he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist. And when he heard the words of his sister, Rebekah saying, this, thus this is the man who spoke to me. Laban went to the well. 
He went to the man. Notice what he says. And he stood by the camels at the well and said this to him, quote, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. This is Laban. Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. This is Laban. This is the deceiver. This is the double crosser. This is the con man. He saw, right? The text tells us he saw the bling on his sister. Said, woo, girl. And we ran out to the well. And this is what Laban did, right? Because he was looking for what? He was looking for fortune. Man, I need to get into some of that action. I need to get, get some of that action there. I need to, maybe, man, if I'm nice to him, maybe he'll give me some gifts too. Laban, a type of the world, was also looking for fame and power. We know this. And you could tell simply by the words that he, he said as he acted, right, as he acts towards Jacob. When he saw Laban exercise his power and deception, you go, how so? Do you guys remember with Leah, right? Well, the, the, the firstborn, well, listen, listen. You work for me seven years and you can have Rachel, but when it came down to it, what did he do? He scooted on Leah right in there and said, sorry. That's just how we do things in our country. But I, but I worked for you for Rachel. What am I going to have to do? Well, you have to work another seven years. Here's what you need to keep in mind, guys, if you're taking note. Jacob has been in Padanaram for 20 years right now. 20 years, okay? He worked seven years for Rachel, but got Leah. Worked another seven years for Rachel. And then another six years building his wealth through the speckled spots, right? Through, the, through again, what, what Jacob, I mean, what, what Laban tried to do. Laban said, hey, listen, it's time for me to go. Listen, why should you work for me? He says, let me have all the speckled, the spotted, all the streaked. And, and so what he does is he takes them a three days journey. He says, okay, there you go. These are all clean. Let's see how many. And God steps in and he starts blessing Jacob. Guys, that took six years. So right now, think about this. When he left, he thought he was only being a few days until, right, until his brother Esau Tell his brother Esau, calm down. It's been 20 years. 20 years. And so we know Laban is looking for fame, power, and pleasure. And so as we go through our text tonight, let us consider the fact that maybe Laban is a type of the world that we're ready to say goodbye to. In other words, it's time for us to come home. Now, just to be clear, when I say come home, here's what I'm talking about. It's time for us to say to forsake the world and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. It, 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 it's time to let the things of the world that have been nipping at our ankles, hey, it's time to say no and, and say, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a fully, fully devoted follower of Christ. That's, that's what the text says. That we would have, now listen to me, that we would have a pure walk with Jesus until he calls us to our heavenly home. If I can get, if I can get real honest and personal with you, we're coming to a new decade. We're coming to a brand new year. In a lot of ways, I'm excited about the year. In a lot of ways, I'm excited about the future. But in a lot of ways, it scares me. It scares me. You see, just this week, we found out that a precious sister that went with us to Israel, well, she has lung cancer now. So what does 2020 hold for her? I don't know. Just this week, a good friend of ours who used to attend this fellowship was doing well, 
But I just found out that the cancer's returned. He's lost a lot of weight. He's not doing too good. Cancer's no joke, man. And so a lot of ways I'm thinking, what, what is 2020 going to? You go, Pastor, your point. Here's the seriousness of my point, guys. Now is not the time to be playing church. Now is not the time to be going, well, I'll have one foot in, one foot out, right? But that we would follow Jesus with a pure heart until he calls us home. I mean, that's the, guys, we're, we're here. We're here. Nathalie asked me a question this morning. She goes, why do you think people don't want to, to acknowledge that Jesus is coming soon? Why do you think? Well, look at the kids right here in front of me. Listen, they're, they're young. They're playing basketball. They're playing sports. They're, they're, they got their whole lives, man. They, they, you know? But we don't want to mislead you. Heaven is a far better place when it's, when it's time. But she asked me, she goes, what, what, what do you think? And I'm thinking, because we, we just, hey, the world, the world is awesome. The world is fun. We, 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 God has put it with a lot of pleasure. He's not sitting here going, don't you ever have fun in the world. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't be pulled back into the world so that you're stumbled in your walks. You see, when you gave your life to Jesus, something should have changed in you. See, the gospel should have come in. It should have just regenerated your heart. Yeah, but pastor, I still struggle with stuff, man. You don't know. I still struggle with things in my mind. I still struggle with, I mean, I just struggle. Are you struggling? You see, that's what's key. Are you struggling? Because if you're struggling, I say, amen, that's a fight. That's a fight. And God's going to walk you through that, and you're going to be victorious. If you're not struggling, and you're doing those things, and they come so easy to you, I wonder if you still got more of the world in you than you do Jesus. And so, again, we're, we're looking at the text. We're looking at the text, right? As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, guys, points out that in the last days, we can see some of these objectives, some of these characteristics. You go, how so? Well, note with them with me. Listen to this. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, jot this down, chapter 3, 1 through 7. I know you know this, but listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Listen, tell me you're not reading today's newspaper. Here's what he says. He says, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. What's perilous times? Stressful times. Y'all aren't stressed, are you? We're not stressed watching the news. We're not stressed going to our job. We're not stressed at all. We're just, we're just enjoying. No, he says in the last days, man, I'm stressed, man. I'm stressed. Guys, the world is a pressure cooker. If you know anything about pressure cookers, you know that they can explode at any moment. They're full of steam, and then you get beans all over the ceiling and all over the wall, and you I mean, just be careful. But they call them Instapots now, but they used to be, my day is pressure cooker. That's where we're living. That's where we're living, right? But know this, Paul says, in the last days. How many of you think we're in the last days? How many really last days? Okay. Why? Paul says this, ready? For men will be lovers of themselves. I'm going to go out on the limb here, but I think that's happening right now, right? It's all about me, Jesus. It's all about me, right? Men will be lovers of themselves. That's what it is. Selfish, self-centered, egotistical. This is who we are. Listen, I don't know what's up. I don't know about you. What's good for me? Yet Paul's heart is that people matter, and so he loves people. But we see that. Paul says, listen, in the last days, tell me if you can see that men will be lovers of themselves. You go, amen. And he says, not only this, he says, but, but, but men will be lovers of money. Right? Lovers of money. 
everything is about money. Everything. Why do people do? Guys, listen, listen. If you don't think it's about money, here's your challenge. Go to the store, buy you a box of cereal, open it up, and tell me that it's not three quarters empty. Because back in my day, when we used to buy cereal, it was full to the top. Do you see? They're trying to get less, give you less for more money. How can we pinch? How can we save? How can we make more money? More money. Men will be what? Lovers of money. It says men will be boasters and proud. Well, wait a minute. Didn't Chuck Swindoll say that that's part of being worldly, proud? Yet God calls us to walk in humility. God calls us to walk in a humbleness that exemplifies who Christ is. God calls us, listen to me, God calls us to die to self, to crucify the flesh. Paul says they're going to be blasphemers disobedient to parents. Oh, we don't see that today, right? No, kids, you tell them one time, boom, they're done. They do it. They're not disobedient, right? Here's the thing, right? I don't know if y'all like, y'all like Christmas music. Who likes Christmas music? Y'all like Christmas music? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. You know what Bing sings, right? Right? Where the treetops glisten and... Children. That's what he sings. I'm like, what? Bing wouldn't lie to us. But, but in the last days, there's going to be kids and people and disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanders. Guys, Paul says, in the last days, there's going to be people that slander you and slander your name. He says, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, notice, traitors, headstrong, haughty, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He says, these people will have a form of godliness, but deny its power, and from such people turn away. You will have a group of people who, who don the Christian t-shirt, who listen to Christian music, who will look godly. They will say godly things. They will say, amen, God bless you, amen. And here's the, here's the key, ready? You'll have people that say, I am a Christian. He says, but they're not. They'll have a form of godliness, but what? But deny the power of God. That's the last day. That's, I mean, this is what we're living in. We're living in this type of world. So here's a question for us to ponder as we go through tonight's study. You ready? Are we growing out of the world? Are we growing out of the world? My friend Joe Mabry, he's always in the messages. He's a green thumb. He likes to plant stuff. My wife likes to plant stuff. A lot of you like to plant stuff. But you know that when you plant something, you plant in a little pot, right? And what happens when it grows too much, what do you do? You, why? Because you, it, it outgrows the little pot. You plant it into a bigger pot, into a bigger pot. And eventually, you plant it in the ground. The question is, as believers, guys, walking in Jesus, are we growing out of that little pot that we weren't in? And we're going, oh, are we growing out of the world? It used to be 
so sparkly, so shiny, so beautiful. That's the world. And now you go, that's, no, no. See, I used to dance with the world. We used to tango, right, Josh, with the world. He says, but not anymore. That world has nothing for me. That world has nothing for me. If I'm honest with you, the world has a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. It really does. Guys, I think it's time for us to forsake the world and dive deep into a personal walk with Jesus. Here's my challenge. What are you going to do different in 2020 to get you deeper into the word, to get you deeper walking with Jesus? What are you going to do? Because here's what we can do. We can do nothing and stay the same. All good, man. We're going to church. And listen, I'm preaching to the choir. Why? Because y'all are here on Wednesday night. I get that. Okay? But it's more than coming to church on Wednesday night. Here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping all of us, myself included, would get a deeper walk with Jesus. A deeper walk where I can see the love of Jesus in your eyes. I mean, you can just see it. You can just see it, right? There's a couple of times, there's a couple of times that I've seen this look on my wife. Number one is when she fell in love with me. I saw that look. I said, yeah, I reeled that puppy in. I got her. And then the second is when she was pregnant. You know that glow? I want that with Jesus. What's wrong with you? Man, you don't understand. It's just been awesome. It's been awesome. Here's my thought, guys. Go with me on this. Here's my thought. The Lord Jesus doesn't want to come in and, and, and spoil your world. He wants to be a part of every precious moment you have. He wants to be a part of, of, of you drinking coffee and, and listening to worship music. He wants to be a part of you enjoying the sunset or a sunrise. He wants to be a part of you laughing so hard that you practically crying. And I won't mention the other thing that happens when you laugh so hard. He wants to be part of that. So he's not sitting here going, man, listen, all the pleasure of the world. Listen, you can't ever eat another steak. Okay, because that's what he's not saying that. What he's saying is your walk with Jesus needs to be so deep, so deep that I can see the love. I can see, man, you're in love. Yeah, but it's a spiritual, like, like, like think about this, right? Think about this. Do you remember Moses? Remember Moses had such a glow on his face? He came down there. They're like, dude, you're like glowing, man, because he was in the presence of God. He had to wear a veil. Do you guys remember that? Man, how about that? How about that? How about our walks are so deep? We're forsaking the world. Okay. Okay. I got to live here. I got to live here. I'm just passing through, but, but I've got the glow of Jesus. I got the glow of Jesus in my life. Well, see, that's the principal lesson that we'll learn from Jacob and Laban tonight, right? That's where we're going. So back in our text, if you remember last week, we talked about prosperity, And what we learned is that God wants us to prosper. Can I get an amen? Amen. But he wants us to prosper in a godly way, okay? He wants us to prosper his way. And when he does prosper, which means your bank account might be plus 6 million, or it may not be, but if he prospers you financially, he's not doing it for you. you He wants you to bless others. He wants you to use your resources to bless others. That's prosperity. 
He wants you to use prosperity in whatever way, shape, or form he does it. He wants us to further his kingdom. Listen, you're here on a Wednesday night. Why do you think God saved you? Why do you think, well, just give me something to do on Wednesday night. There's no good TV on Wednesday night. I thought I'd go to church. That's not why he saved you. He saved you because he wants to further God's kingdom in Lubbock, Texas, guys. That's what he saved you for. Okay, so you're going to come in here, you're going to get fed with the word of God, and then tomorrow he's going to put people that you can minister to to further his kingdom. That's what he's going to do. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get up, you're going to go to school, and there's going to be somebody there who really needs to hear about Jesus. He needs to hear about, about your walk. He needs to hear about your experience. That's what he's, that's, this is what he's doing, guys, to further his kingdom. And say, godly prosperity is so much different than the world. And so we learned last week, guys, that number one, don't make becoming wealthy your God. That's the first thing. Number two, don't be afraid to make others wealthy in your job. Listen, work hard. Work hard. Work hard. That's the third one. Don't be afraid to make others. Don't don't be afraid to push others up. Don't be afraid to, to encourage others. And number four, we learn trust God in all things. Those is what we learned last week. Well, tonight's story continues. And if you're taking notes, guys, I'm calling this message, It's Time to Leave Laban. It's time to leave Laban. For tonight, in chapter 31, it's all about leaving his father-in-law, his extended family, his life, and it's time to go home. So as we go through 18 verses, keep in mind, leaving the world behind and dedicating our whole life to Jesus. Picking it up in verse 1, notice what it says. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what our father, he has acquired all of his wealth. That's the very first verse. Now, again, I, I just put a sad face in my Bible. Why? Guys, because what we just read, right, what we read last week, what we read how God is working in, in, in Jacob's life, this is an untrue statement. Now, think about what's happening. His cousins, his cousins are talking to each other, and Jacob overhears. What did he hear? Here's the rap. It says, Jacob has robbed our father of everything. Really? Is that true? Yeah, and and by the way, he's gained all of his wealth at our father's expense. These are the cousins talking. These are the cousins talking. Okay? This verse isn't starting out good. Why? Because now we have some gossip, we have some murmuring, we have some, what? We have some jealousy, we have some envy. Envy. If you're taking note, next to your Bible, you can write envy. Why? Because I want to talk about envy for just a moment. Laban's boys are envious of Jacob. Now notice what's going to happen. It's going to poison the heart of Laban towards Jacob. And let me say this to you, envy always poisons the heart. Envy always poisons the heart. It always distorts the truth, and it always poisons the heart. Well, let's talk about envy. Let's talk about envy. Envy is bad, not only on its own, listen to this, but also for the company it keeps. How so? 1 Corinthians 3.3, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Thank you. 
you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're still controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? So it goes, that's envy, that's jealousy. We haven't stepped away from the world of being envious, right? Envious, well, how come they get to be the star of the team? How come they get to be the haired cheerleader? How come they get the promotion and not me? And we're envious and we're jealous and they start talking, but envy always poisons the heart. James in chapter 3, verse 16 says this, for whenever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder of, ev- of, of evil of every kind. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, once we too were foolish and disobedient and were misled because slaves of many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. And we hated each other, Titus writes. Guys, think about it. This is what's going on in the Laban household. There's jealousy, there's envy, and it's poisoning and it's distorting the truth. You go, well, Ben, 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 I got a question. What's the opposite of envy? What's the opposite of envy? Well, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to get that in a few weeks on our Sunday morning study, but he says this in verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, boastful, or proud. You go, the opposite of envy is love? Yeah. One of the first steps from saying goodbye to the world, one of the first steps from saying goodbye to the world, jot this down, is to love God and to love people. Think about it, guys. Think about it. Think about the central point. You ready? The world is always jealous and envious of you. The world will always talk bad about you and get others to turn on you. You can't be friends with the world. That's what the world does. The world are, is your cousin saying, man, look at that. He's, he's robbed our father. He's done this. She's done that. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Here's the admonition. James 4.4 4 says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, it makes yourself an enemy of God. So what happens? What happens with envious? What happens with gossip? What happens with slander? Laban believes a report, right? Notice the next verse. Notice verse 2. And Jacob saw the continents of Laban... And indeed, it was not favorable, favorable toward him as before. Something has changed with Uncle Laban. Continence is the face, had to do with the attitude. And now, guess what? It's poisoned his heart. And so instead of going, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Right? Family. We're family. He's going, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never liked that Jacob anyway. I never liked him. I don't know why my sister sent him out here anyway. Things are changing. Things are changing. Okay? Listen to me. This is deep. You ready? Please listen to me. Don't be surprised when you purpose to follow Jesus that the world changes his attitude toward you. What do you mean? What do you mean? 
See, the world used to be over here going, hey, you're one of us. Cool. We're our friends, right? You're cool. Listen, you can be a Christian. We can still all hang out. Everybody's hanging out. All right, let's, one, two, three, you know, huddle, let's go. And then all of a sudden, you purpose to follow Jesus. And what happens is now all of a sudden, they're going to forsake you. Okay? They're going to talk bad about you. They will not invite you to participate in any of their reindeer games. You're going to be like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm telling you right now. They're not going to invite you anymore. You guys know this? Before, they used to be like, hey, let's call them up. Hey, what are you doing, bro? Let's go party. Let's go. Man, that's, yeah, don't forget, that dude's the life of the party. Now, all of a sudden, you go, hey. And, and here's the sad part, man. All of our so-called friends, we read it on Facebook. We read it on Instagram. Oh, they're having fun, but they didn't. I wonder why they didn't invite me. Guys, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that the world is going to turn on you. We see it here in Scripture. I want you to jot this down. This is so important. You ready? It's during those times. What times, Ben? It's during those times when you purpose to follow Jesus and the world turns its back on you. It's when we hear God's voice the loudest. You go, oh, what do you mean? Again, let me say this. It's during those times that, you, that we hear God's voice even louder. How do you know? Look at verse 3. Then the Lord said to Jacob. Guys, God begins to speak. I got a question. In verses 1, we hear a lot of talking. In verses 3, we hear God talking. Who are we going to listen to? What voices are we going to hear? Then the Lord spoke. What did he say? Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. I love the fact that God speaks to Jacob. Jacob, it's time to go back home, and I'm going to be with you. I want to be with you. Now, here's what I want you to note out of the text, guys. When God speaks, he speaks very specific, very specific, right? Because I think one of the struggles that Christians have is I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's voice for my life. I want to hear God's voice for what he wants from us. I want to hear God's voice. Would you agree with me? We're hearing a lot of voices, okay? Now, let me just say this. We must be careful what we we listen to and who we listen to because a lot of times we can get confused. Well, one person says that I'm I'm part of the elect. Another person says, no, I'm free, and 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 we can get real confused. We want to listen to God's voice. You go, how so? Well, specifically in the text, what's going to happen? Here's what God's going to do, and God will do this in your life. Number one, he's going to communicate his desire. He's going to communicate his desire. You go, what do you mean? He tells Jacob, you need to return to your land. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to beat around the bush. Well, I hope he's going to be very specific, God's desire. What is God's desire for your life? What is God's desire for your heart? It's to walk pure with him and to have a relationship that is just bar none to no one. All our other relationships are affected by the relationship we have with Jesus. Let me say that again, guys. I feel like it's so important. The relationships you have with your dad and your mom and your cousins and your uncles and your friends, it's all affected by your relationship you have with God. I can tell you what kind of relationship you have with Jesus by the relationship you have with each other. God will communicate his desire. Jacob, here's my desire. Uh, Return to the land. That's what he's saying. He's telling us, Brother Joe, a deeper walk with me. He's not going to beat around the bush. Right? Number two, God communicates, guys, in circumstances. In circumstances. 
What do you mean? He's been dealing with Jacob for the last 20 years. He met him at Bethel 20 years earlier. He hadn't left him alone, but he says, now, there's still circumstances in this, right? What do you mean? He says, "Um, I want you to go back home into your family. Huh? Now, Now, to you and I, we go, go home, Jacob. What's the problem? Do you guys read in the text anywhere where God said it's going to be easy? It's going to be worth it because God said, I'll be with you. But he's never said it's going to be easy. And I got to be honest with you. I want easy. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I want God, please make it easy. Please, let's just, you're God. You're so powerful. Make it easy. God says, I never promised you it'd be easy, but I promised you it'd be worth it. God, we're coming out to, we're coming out to Lubbock. We're going to plant a church. And, and God, you've been blessing us all along the way, man. We should, have, we should have a couple of thousand in a few years. I never said it would be easy. But I told you it'd be worth it. You guys understand. You're worth it. You understand when, when I see what the enemy tries to do to your life and I see God step in and change it, that's so worth it. That's so worth it. You understand that when people invite and they come and they sit in these blue chairs right here and they respond to an invitation and they give their lives to the Lord and God does just, it's so worth it. Because I realized the path that you could have been going down. Tell me if I'm, if I'm telling the truth. Sometimes circumstances of obedience is not easy. It's not easy. God calls us to obey. I know, Lord, but it's, it's going to be so hard and I'm going to lose some friends. And, and then the third thing God does, guys, as he speaks to us, he's going to communicate personal direction. What does he say? I'm going to be with you. And I think that, that warms my heart more than anything because, listen, I'll do anything you want me to do. Just be there with me. Lord, I don't, I don't want to run out so far ahead of you that I'm going, God, hurry up, come on. And I don't want to be so far back that I can't see you. And the Lord said, I will be with you. What do we need to do, guys? There's a lot of voices in your life tonight. There's a lot of people telling you what you should and shouldn't do and how to live. Listen to the voice of Jesus. How are you going to listen to the voice of Jesus unless you get alone with him in the word and say, God, speak to me? What is your desire for me? Remember on Sunday, we said that we communicate a lot of stuff without saying anything, right? We, we, we declare by our beliefs and, and our behavior. We declare a, a lot. Guys, what are we saying without saying? We got to be careful because I don't want to read somebody else's life. I want to re- I want to hear God's voice. Well, the journey begins. Look at verse 4. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah in to the field and to his flock, and he said to them, "See, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable towards me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your fathers. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Guys, this is amazing. This is amazing. Why? I want you to realize this. Do you realize that Jacob... I love the fact that he talks to his wives. 
This just reiterates, guys, that our wives are supposed to be helpmates. Jacob could have said, hey, we're going. Get in the truck. But he doesn't. He calls them in and he says, guys, listen, I have a problem. Your dad. He goes, you guys know. You know. You know. He's changed my wages ten times. Could you imagine? Could you imagine working for somebody that changed your pay ten times? Well, you're supposed to get this. Oh, you're not getting that. I mean, we wouldn't stay there, would we? We'd quit. Well, you told me you were going to pay me eleven dollars an hour. Now you're only now you now now it's ten and told me you're going to give me a bonus, and you're not giving me a bonus, and you told me this, and you told me this, and you told me this, and I'm not really making as me. He says, man, do you realize that's what Laban did? Laban is not a good boss. Laban is not a good boss. But I love the fact that Jacob includes his wife. Why? Because he still honors his wife enough. He honors them because that's still dad. That's still dad. Right? And the Bible tells us, we learned this on Sunday, that Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that we are to submit to one another. And we can't take that stand going, I'm the king of this castle and you do what I say and get in the truck and we're moving. You have to be able to, I mean, and that's what he does. And that's what he does. And Jacob looks at him and he says, he says, listen guys, you know, you guys see that in the, in, in the text? This is key because it shows us that they knew what dear old dad was doing to Jacob. They knew. He goes, you know. You know how dad is treating me. And they're like, yeah, I'm sorry. Dad has been in just a real pain. Why is that important? Guys, think about this. Sometimes everyone else will see what the world is doing to our walks, but won't say anything for the fear of retribution. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Everybody will see what kind of person you are and what, what the world is doing to your walk, but they won't tell you anything because they're afraid you're going to jump down their throat. Leah and Rachel knew they didn't say anything to Jacob. And I just wonder, the world... The world is pulling us back. The world is pulling us in. And, man, I need to say something to that brother. I need to say something to that sister, man, because, man, you could, you, could, you, you could see, but I'm afraid that they'll. Oh, that we, guys, as believers in Jesus, would walk in humility and grace and that we would allow, listen to me, that we would allow people that we trust to speak into our lives. We would allow it. Oh, yeah. What do you see? What do you see in my life? I trust you. I trust you're praying for me. I trust that you love me. What do you see? Verse 8. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streak shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streak. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and he's given in to me. Do you see that? He's going, guys, do you see this? God has been blessing me. God has been blessing me. I love the fact that, right? Uh, here's why. Listen, because Jacob is growing. 
He's growing out of the world because Jacob was a deceiver. He was a self-centered. Do you guys remember that? I'm going to steal the birthright. Sucker, I'm going to take your... I'm going to, he was doing that, but now he's going, it, it wasn't me who, who created this wealth. It was the God of my father. He's growing. He's growing. And he says, now, something strange happened these last six years. You go, how so? Look at the text in verse 10. It says, now it happened. And when it means that, he says, during this time that when the flocks conceived, I lifted my eyes and I saw a dream. And behold, the rams that leaped upon the flocks were speckled, right? Streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leaped on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of the land and return to the land of your family. Two things are happening. Two things. You see it? Number one. God spoke to him directly, but over the past six years has been talking to them in a dream. He's been bringing out the circumstances. He's been saying, this is what's happening. He goes, man, this has been happening. I've been having these dreams, and that God was telling me that he's, I mean, think about this. He's saying, man, look at this. I, I, I am the, what an amazing dream. God speaks to Jacob. Now, Here's what I love about this. If you have a pencil handy, this is just me. I like it. But the thing that brought comfort to my heart is he says, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. You guys with me? Now, let me just say this to y'all. This is either really, really good news or this is really, really bad news. what What do you mean? Give me the good news. Give me the good news. Well, here's the thing. It's good news because God sees everything and has knowledge of what others are doing to us. Listen, if you're here today and your boss is treating you unfairly, God sees. God knows. It doesn't catch him by surprise. If you're here today and your boss has changes your wages 10 times and that's not what he promised you, God sees. Okay? But he knows. All, he, I mean, think about it, guys. He knows all about this. Okay? He knows what others are doing to us. Can I get an amen? But this can also be really bad news. You go, what do you mean? God sees what you are doing to others. If God sees what others are doing to us, guess what? That's conviction enough to just, to just say, okay, I'm done, Lord, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. But since Laban is a type of the world, how can we apply this? You ready? God sees what the world is doing to you. But think about this. He continues to bless you through it. That's what he did. You see, here's what the world wants to do. You ready? It wants to cheat you. It wants to hurt you. It wants to injure you. It wants to destroy your relationships. But God knows. God sees it. And I love the fact that he knows. I mean, you, you, you want a reference? Just look at the Psalms, man. David's like, God, don't you see? They're trying to kill me. He's just so... Here's another point, guys, before we move on. 
God spoke to Jacob back in verse 2. Amen? But before that, God had been speaking to Jacob before this in a dream. Now, here's a question. You might ask yourself, how do we know it's God? How do I know that God is speaking to me like in verse 2? Well, number one, guys, he will begin to speak to you in your heart, your mind, and your dreams. Okay? He will already begin to speak to you. Okay? Number two, if it's God, it'll line up with his word. Oh, Pastor Ben, no, 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 no. God gave me a new revelation. And not even in, no, 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 no. Listen, if God is speaking to you specifically, it'll line up with his word. And the third thing to know that God is speaking to you, you ready? You will get counsel and confirmation from others you trust. Whoa, I think God is... God is wanting me to start this ministry, and he's wanting me to do this. Does it line up with his word? No, I haven't had confirmation in his word. I haven't, I haven't really been in his word. I don't know. Well, have you talked to other people? No, I haven't talked to other people. But it's God. That's how people operate. That's how people operate. We put in place of God what we think is God. But God's not going to go contrary to his word. If he's telling you to do something, if he's telling, he's going to, it's going to line up with his word. You're going to ask for counsel from the spiritual people you trust, and they will line it up. But they, you, you, you got to trust them. If they're going, no, 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 sister, brother, you're wrong in this area. You're, you're, you're acting more in the flesh. You got to, oh, okay, okay. Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was me. How many of you are like me, and, and God's voice sounds a lot like yours at times? All right, is it God? Because it sounds like mine. <laughs> it sounds like mine. I think, I think it's God, but because we think a lot. We think a lot. But again, how do we know it's God, guys? Because he'll begin to speak. He'll begin to speak to us in our minds and in our hearts. He'll put something, he'll put a desire in there. And it'll line up with his word, and you'll get good confirmation. You'll get good confirmation. Now, how do I know this? Because when God was calling me into the ministry, I had opportunities to preach and teach. And, and I would get godly confirmation, okay? One of the things that I always struggled with is, God, do I have a teaching gift? Do I have a gift? And when I would teach a Bible study, I wouldn't ask for it, but people would stand up and go, you got a gift. You got a gift. And, and, and they would, now, again, there was beautiful little old ladies that would come up to me after Sunday school and go, that was so wonderful. I don't, they're always nice, okay? Even if it was the worst sermon you ever preached, that was so good. You keep trying, you know what I mean? But I know that people that I trusted were like, okay, God is, God is doing something in your life. God is doing something. You'll get counsel. Then Rachel and Leah, look at verse 14, answered and said to him, Is there still any portion of our inheritance at our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children now. So now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Do you guys see this verse? Do you know what they just said here? Do you know what they're saying? If you want to go, that's fine with us. Why? Why Why would they say that, right? This is dad. He says, because we won't inherit anything of our father's wealth anyway. He's reduced our rights to those of foreign women, and he sold us and wasted the money you paid him. You have to pay a dowry. 
and dad squandered it off. He didn't even, and so they're like, dad, dad didn't even take care of us. Dad didn't even use the money. So Jacob, if you want to go, let's go. Then Jacob, notice what he said in verse 18, 17. Then Jacob rose and set his sons on his wives on camels, and he carried away all the livestock and his possessions, which he gained. He acquired livestock, which he had gained at Padanaram, and go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. So what's he doing? Like the Beverly Hillbillies, he loaded up, right? He loaded up the truck and he moved to Beverly. That's where he's going. He's heading back home, Okay. Here's what I love, guys, and if you have a pencil handy, write this in your Bible because we're going to close now. Jacob obeys. God said, it's time to go. It's time to go. 20 years later, time to go home. Now, what can we learn from the text as we close? The first thing we must do is ask ourselves a very important question. You ready? Is it time to leave Laban? Is it time to leave Laban? Of course, for Jacob, it was, right? God spoke so clearly that it was time for him to go home. But if it's time for us to forsake the world and follow Jesus, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Jacob had some idea that his brother might still be angry. I did, I did Esau wrong. He's going to be looking for me. Oh, man. Well, I don't know. I mean, you guys understand. It was, he didn't have cell phones back then. They didn't have text messages. They didn't have internet. He didn't know what, you know, Jacob wasn't posting on Facebook and in, in, in Esau. And they're like, oh, he's still home. God wants me to go. He's just going. He's just being obedient. Yet he obeyed. Yet he obeyed. Reluctantly, but nonetheless, he's going home. Here's what I want you to jot down. I understand that when I say I'm closing, everybody puts their Bibles away, but, but, but we're not done yet. We're not done yet because here's what you need to see. What's that? The one thing you must always remember, Jacob is going to leave and he's never going to come back. You go, Pastor, I, I'm not sure what you mean. Once he set his heart to go home, he never returned back to Laban. Well, what's the application for us? You ready? When we purpose to leave the worldly ways behind, we must never return. Serving Jesus is where we all belong. So the Lord put in my spirit as I was typing up these notes, guys, that I think I think we're in a time where we need a purpose in our hearts to follow Jesus. You see, the things that one once held us captive, like Laban, right? Cousins, friends. What in the world has held us ca captive? Comfort. Think about Laban for just a moment. I mean, think about Jacob for just a moment. He's been there 20 years. He's gotten comfortable. I got to leave that comfort zone. I got to get it. I got to step out of that. I'm going to follow Jesus. He's also familiarity. He knows everything. 
He knows where the 7-Eleven is. He knows where his favorite donut shop is. Why do you want me to go back home? I don't know what's going on. No, God says, I want you to go. Same thing for us, guys. Sometimes it's familiar to walk with one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus, but he's saying, let that go. I've got new ground I want you to walk on. New ground. Guys, those things... Those things need to go so we can become fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's what God is asking us tonight. Do you remember that song? The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. That's what God is calling us to do. I got saved at 17. And my only regret is I didn't get saved earlier. And what God wants to do with you guys, I'm so excited to see. And he's not calling you to be pastors. He's not calling you to be missionaries. He's calling you to be the best you you can be for his kingdom. But I'm excited for that. Because every one of us in this room has a platform. Every one of us for Jesus. To bring glory to his name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. The truth of your word. I have decided not to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Cross before me, the world behind me. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.